Welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined by my brother, Dusty. Dust, isn't it so awesome that Dad comes in every single week to record that intro live for us? <laughs> it sure does. I mean, yeah. you, you know, we're, we're recording in the basement, so it's really good that he you know, comes out and records with us. So it's perfect. That's right. He's, he's such a professional. He sounds the exact same every time. It's just amazing. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah. So and you know what? So I do have a question. I really oh. had to help him. Every, every time that he would like and coaching him how to say it, he didn't really understand how to do inflection in his voice. And so I'm glad he made it perfect. So every single time it's the same, but he would say, welcome to, no, he go, welcome to the watch and learn. Pod. I'm like, dad, come on, like get a little, yeah. Welcome to the watch and like, come on, dad, you can do better than that. And so when he really being Japanese, obviously, um, grew up, you know, born in Japan, grew up in Japan um, until about, you know, 18, 19. And then speaking Japan or Japanese, sorry, come over here and changing and learning inflection and learning just you know, idioms and stuff like that and how to speak in American. Um, now, you know, I was really coaching him how to say, welcome to the watch and learn show or something like that. And it was so hard for him to get that. And it, he I literally had to do it like 10 times like dad no you're killing me anyway so that was it was just fun now i'm glad he does it perfectly every single time yeah he's he's a pro at it for now for sure now i have a question for you growing up dust did you think our dad had an accent no no not really i mean kind yeah kind of like he would cut off hmm. a words a little differently he would say desagonate instead of designate i was like dad what is desagonate <laughs> it's desagonate i'm like i have no and then i got older i realized what designate actually was for his his uh yeah. vocabulary yeah the funny thing is for me um i i would notice those same things to you or as you did but it would never register as he has a weird uh a, a weird way of saying or you know, whatever. It, it never registered as something weird. If I'd hear other people say things, I could say, oh, they have an accent, you know, Italian accent, cowboy, hick accent, whatever it might be, you know. But dad always seemed like he, that's how dad speaks to me. It never registered as an accent until I went to Japan and taught English over there. And then coming back, I realized, oh, dad speaks like all those uh, Japanese <laughs> students of mine with an, with an English accent, you know, or Japanese accent, I should say. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. And as as I'm, you know, growing up and and experiencing that, the one thing I absolutely like, you know, almost if I could smack it in the back of the head, say, you should have taught us Japanese. Like from the very beginning, when we were born, just talking Japanese, we'll pick up English, but you should have taught. And he just recently, it takes him for everybody listening. He takes forever to change his mind. And it, I've been telling him for maybe about, 10 years or not telling it, but like or saying, man, I wish we would have learned Japanese when we were younger. I wish you would have talked to us. And every time he's like, ah, eh. every time, like a year after year. Ah. And then just like last year, you know what I've been thinking? This is my dad <laughs> saying this. You know what I've been thinking? It would have been good if I taught you guys Japanese growing up. I'm like, dad, that is so right. I, I, it's a bummer. <laughs> but yes, you know, hindsight's 2020, dad. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. To change. Yep. 
So let me ask you something, Dust. You said dad should have taught us Japanese growing up. Well, because you're half English on your mother's side, of course, shouldn't you be teaching your kids English cockney slang and stuff like they speak in this movie? Because a lot of it I did not understand, at least not at first. No, Scott, I do speak two languages, English and bad English. So ah. I'm doing that really, really well. I'm, um, I'm definitely ahead of the curve on that one as opposed to our mm-hmm. dad. Cool beans, cool beans. Yeah, this was one. So uh, maybe eight weeks ago or whatever, we watched and we discussed The Gentleman. That movie, in the beginning, the first 30 minutes or so, you and I both had a hard time kind of understanding, comprehending. And then eventually, like, you you know, because it's the same exact words said differently, different intonations and stuff, you eventually start to understand it and absorb it. But this movie, I mean, I think they, my guess is in the very beginning, uh, they purposely knew that this would be a movie for English audiences. My guess is it was just an English or American audiences. I mean to say English, you know, took place in England, but for American audiences. And my guess is all the actors were purposely told to not speak or to speak in such a way that like clearly enunciate their words, because I understood this from the very beginning. There were some things like when they were gathering inside of different, like uh, at the at the bar or you know the 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 um the pub you know when they're talking they're talking fast they're talking to each other and especially when they were talking to um Elijah Wood's character from the very beginning like there was like yeah he doesn't understand a word we're saying and uh, no i i with the beginning from from the beginning throughout the entire movie yeah i could definitely i didn't get lost too much not like the gentleman which i got lost a good amount but here there was only a couple of different times but other than that no they did a really good job with making sure that we could understand it now in watching this movie there are i have found that this is one of many other movies not many there are a few other movies that when i leave a movie or i stop watching the movie like i still get um either not necessarily affected, but it like changes my mood. Like I just, I'm introspective and I'm starting like looking at, Oh man, look at that. How that changed him. Elijah Woods character. Is that Elijah? That's Elijah Woods, his name, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know how it changed his character, how the guy, you know, his, his friend, um, kind of like maybe best friend now died and died saving them and his stupid sister driving into the, I, I like what that I just, I can't understand that. But I walked away from that movie and there are certain movies that I just feel like it changes my mood and it makes me feel like just introspective. How about you? What are your thoughts about the green street Hoogans? I felt the same way. I really did enjoy it. I liked a lot of the drama, not only the fighting and the brutality, you know, that was kind of interesting to watch, although rather painful to watch at times too, especially seeing as how I saw this movie before I knew what was coming in the future for you. This was your first time watching it, right? Yep. Yeah. So it was all brand new for you. Um, so the brutality and stuff, I knew what was coming. But yeah, I, I I really did enjoy the movie. And that's one of the reasons why I suggested I thought there was a lot we can learn from it, a lot to possibly take away from it. And it's one of those movies where it's a really good movie, but it's not like Avengers Endgame where I can watch it every single day for a month, you know, um, or or The Rock or any kind of really fun action movie kind of stuff. This is like a really serious drama with really serious effects and some interpersonal conflicts and things. And it's it's a tough get through, I feel, even though it was only like an hour and 40 minutes. It was emotionally draining at the end. And afterwards, yeah, you do think about it. You try to replay in your mind what could have happened differently. What could they have done differently to resolve their situations, resolve their anger differently. But I guess they're they're hooligans or or firms, as they call them. There's no resolving anger. You resolve things with fists, I guess, is the way it happens over there. 
And I do like the code that, that almost like an unspoken, but they, they know like if somebody's on the ground, you don't keep going. Like you don't keep beating them unless you're literally a, uh, either a bad guy or you really hate them or something like that. But like, you know, when they're on, not on the ground, then or when they are on the ground, you don't go after them when they are standing up and they're fighting, then you're fighting. And so we see the very, very end where um, what's what's the main uh, what's his name? The guy that Pete? dies. Yeah. Pete. Okay. Yeah. When he dies, like he, the guy is literally on top of him, beating him de- to death on top of him, and it's just it, you can tell. And we're jumping right to the very end because that's like the that's it, so heart wrenching when you're seeing him die. Because um, as we're watching it, we're seeing he knows that he's going to die. He's literally like, I get so many thoughts going through my head. So number one, he gets hit by that baton. Now, if you have ever felt one of those batons. They will literally break your leg if you get hit with those. Those things are so amazingly strong. And us watching the movie, right, thinking, oh, that, you know, it's probably just like a stick or something. They would just bruise you. No, no, no. Those things, the reason why they are so amazingly effective is they're literally like a like a heavier than a lead pipe. I and mean, they are they're phenomenal weapons. I mean, they're destroyable or destructive weapons. Anyways, he got hit like three or four times with that thing, especially in the leg. If you get hit in the leg, you're going to get broken leg and in the arm as well. And so he knew that he was going to die. It seems like, you know, he, this guy wants blood. And so he's going after it. And so he knew he was going to die. He calls out because he knows that his, his uh, nephew is going to be killed. His sister-in-law is going to get killed. It's either him or them. And so he, he sacrificed himself. So looking at everything in that, the, the fighting is they're all not necessarily honorable, meaning like, let's fight and not kill each other. But that is kind of how it is. Like, Hey, we just fight and we, you know, punch each other in the face and then we call it a day after we're done. Yeah. Yeah. There is a little bit of honor, honor there. There's some kind of rules. I mean, at the beginning of the fights, you see them like throwing bricks and sticks through the air, but there's not much use of like physical implements like that baton or a brick or anything afterwards. And, and it's interesting. It, it made me think, you know, when, when Pete said to the one guy, you don't hit somebody when he's on the deck. I wonder if that stemmed from Tommy's 12 year old son dying in that prior battle with the major and what caused the major to leave. Do you think that's what caused it? Or is that just some kind of a, a code of honor ethics that they have? I don't think it started with that. I, I mean, it very well could have, but um, it wasn't that his son, well, the, the bad guy's son was, I don't, cause if I remember correctly, it was that, the boots were just like, they were all around and people were just running around. It wasn't that they were kicking him, but Mary very well could have been. But yeah, yeah, I think it's the, the code of honor that they have is like, you know, we just, we just fight. Like we don't bring guns there because we're not trying to kill, kill each other. We're just having our reputation. We beat the crap out of you. Our reputation goes up. You beat the crap out of us. Our reputation goes down and it's about reputation. Now, if it's just about killing people, literally just do drive-bys and shoot them. You know that? So that's not yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, like P said at one time, we're a far cry from that Bloods and Crips kind of stuff, you know, rolling up on people and shooting them. And speaking of reputation and stuff, I think what they did when they were going to, they took the bullet train to that one train station, they went there and, and you know, hit them from behind, but then the cops came and arrested them all. That would probably be like one of the best things, like your reputation as a firm would skyrocket from that for sure. Well, all those story would come out and say, dude, we knew that they were going to come get us. We knew that they were going to attack us. We stopped the train, literally broke the, the emergency, stopped the train, got out, got in this vehicle, went through them, and then attacked them from behind, you know, flanked them. It's like, that is, that's pretty legit, especially 
when you know you're like, what, six, seven guys strong, they're literally 20 or 25 guys, and you still go after them. That is awesome. But here's the thing, like being somebody that's outside this, I'm looking at this as you could potentially die in every single one of these things. Now, yes, that's true. But the way they're viewing it as it's just a fight. We're just going to go fight. And it's just like having a soccer match or it's like a boxing. You know, we're just going box and then we get up and go home afterwards. It's not like anybody dies or is detrimental. So more than likely, that's the perspective that they're going. But, you know, us, we're thinking, man, you're going into fighting 20 guys. And same thing with um, Elijah Wood's character. He is the very first. Like, you know, they've got like 30 guys. There's just, you know, five of us. How are we going to fight? He's like, no, we do. We don't back down. And it's because you're not going to get, or the, the code would be basically somebody's down on the ground. You don't keep kicking them. It's just beating them up and then saying we want and leaving. And so I can kind of see the different perspective. What do you think? I agree with you. That's probably a big part of it. It's like the rules of engagement. Like you said, a soccer game or a football match. I mean, it's 11 on 11. Bam, they go. And then afterwards, that's it. There's a winner. There's a loser. We all go home. And we're, we're safe at that point. But what happens during the game? Sometimes people get really hurt you know, sports games and stuff. And in a fight, somebody can get hurt. Like the, like uh, Pete had like, I guess maybe really punched that one guy and his eye was out of his socket. You know, that, that one group that they were going to go fight and that guy wanted revenge. And then of course, you know, Tommy lost his son. That's got to be the worst thing. And then ultimately, I mean, the kid's 12 years old. I could not imagine taking, my son is 12 years old right now. There's no way in hell I would take him to a potential brawl. If something was happening, I'm wrapping him under my coat and we're getting out of there. As soon as possible, man. I agree. And you know that's what you do. You fight each other. A 12-year-old cannot take a punch from an adult. I I don't care even if you're like, all all of our rules of engagement are perfect. No, a 12-year-old cannot take a punch from an adult. Or should they? Now, if they're 17, 16, 17, 18, then different story. A 12-year-old, heck no. Yep. Even then, man, I mean, I, I like... I don't know if we've ever discussed this. I've never been like in a physical confrontation where fists were thrown. I've never been in a fight. So I'm not as manly and tough as these guys. I don't know. Like at one point, Elijah Wood says, you know, when you take your first punch and you realize you don't break or whatever he said, then you know you're you're really alive. You're living. I've never actually experienced that. Have you? Yes. I like what Elijah Wood said. It's like you're, you're not made of glass. Like you're not going to break. You're, oh. Your jaw's not going to actually get destroyed. No, I, there was one time and I, it was in junior high. It was at Tanaya. So our, our junior high school. And I can't rem- I literally cannot remember what we we're upset about or whatever, but I thought we were just going to like push each other. Well, he literally swung at me right away. Like the first way and he hit me in the jaw. And then I was like, oh, wow, that that kind of hurt, but I, the adrenaline just just skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even feel it after that. It was like, boom, I get hit in the face. And then the adrenaline goes. Now, obviously um, later on it would hurt just like Elijah Wood character getting up. Oh man, I'm sore. Like, yeah, that's what happens. You know, the adrenaline goes out, but no, there's only maybe once or twice. I, I, I wouldn't say that I don't now, but I had a much smarter mouth or like a aggressive (laughs) pipe mouth where i would like you know what you're stupid i'm gonna tell you that you're stupid now i just say i i just say "Ah, what i I literally like "Ah, whatever who cares i i would just rather but i was also very i'm still on am but not nearly as much but uh very very prideful so somebody you know disrespected me that i took offense that now if somebody disrespects me i'm like no there's something wrong with you oh well i'm just moving on (laughs) it's a better thing to do than deal with somebody like you i move on but um what is really interesting and I'm, I've never been in boxing. I've never um, done like, you know, MMA or anything like that. But it is interesting how 
when you get hit, you realize that just like Elijah Wood character says, you're not made of glass. Like it's, it's hurts. It's not fun. It's not the best thing in the world, but that adrenaline. Oh my goodness. Just like when I go hunting. So I love hunting. I'm a deer hunter. And when you see a buck that you're going to be able to shoot, now you have to have a, a licensed tag. You have to you know comply with the state and all that sort of stuff and make sure it's the right type of um, animal that you're taking. The adrenaline pumps in you so much. It's called buck fever. So buck fever is something where your adrenaline pumps so much that it literally changes the, either the way you think or the way you act. And so when I take a shot on a buck, I literally don't even hear the gunshot. And I hear it, but it doesn't register. And now if you take a gun and you just shoot it out in the, without any adrenaline or whatever, you just take it out and shoot in the backyard or whatever, you know, wherever it's safe, you'll hear it and be really, really loud and your ears will be ringing and everything like that. Whenever I take a shot at a buck, I don't wear earplugs. I shoot and I literally don't have any ringing. I'm hearing everything crystal clear. Everything is just perfect. That doesn't affect me. And that's called buck fever, which is pretty amazing. And buck fever can get so amazingly potent that I heard a story, a a good friend of mine who took me hunting, taught me how to hunt. He was telling me of a story of how he was, he took another hunter or somebody who wanted to hunt, took him out to go hunting. And the buck fever got him so much that he got, his cross or his um, crosshairs from his rifle on the deer and he's getting ready to shoot the deer and he goes boom and literally says the word boom doesn't pull the trigger says boom and then pulls the bolt back to load in another round and then locks it down and then says boom again because he's not hitting the deer and he's like what's going on he does it again does like three or four times and he's like man you're telling his friend or you know, the guy that was teaching us um, a separate account. Um, he's, he was saying the guy was telling me that he thought he was pulling the trigger. I'm like, no, dude, you weren't. Look at your cat. Like your, your bullets are still inside the case here. And so the buck fever is so amazingly, the adrenaline is just, it's just really, really amazing. I know when adrenaline hits me, like my, I, it's, I can't really do like uh, mathematical equations anymore. My brain is just done. I just, you know, full force. But have you had that experience where adrenaline really just takes you? Uh, no, nothing that I can really recall. You know, I've never been put in, I mean, maybe, but I can't, I can't think of anything really that, that, that would qualify as that. Even when like you and I went uh bungee jumping once in Oregon, uh, that was fun, but not like crazy adrenaline. I went skydiving with Denise when I turned 18, she got it, you know, as a birthday gift for me. I think the adrenaline was there, but I was just more excited than anything. And I remember everything about that. So I don't think I've ever spelt, uh, experienced anything like a uh, buck fever or what w- Wolverine goes through. You know, you just see red and you just go berserk. You know, I've never experienced that myself. I think when it comes to, life or death or um, uh, fight or flight, that's when adrenaline really hits you. Like if you have anything like that, I mean, imagine military, they're, they're literally on adrenaline the entire time. In fact, there was one, I was listening to one um, uh, podcast, the Jocko podcast. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of Jocko? Yeah. Really, yeah, really Rocco willing. Part. I know him. Yeah. Yeah. So he was interviewing somebody um, and Joe Rogan actually interviewed him as well. The same guy, but he was, I was listening to him and he was basically when he was sitting still and watching TV after being in the military, completely out of the military, completely out of adrenaline, all that sort of stuff, um, he would sit still and his heart rate would race. It would get so high and his, and his blood pressure would be so high when he's sitting still. But when he is under duress, when he is doing anything that gets his adrenaline up, his heart rate just drops, is calm because 
he was living on. And that's what, when you're in the military, you're, you're literally going to get killed all the time. Like uh, at least that's the, like your occupation, your adrenaline is so high all the time that your body gets used to that. And it not necessarily needs it, but it's just, if that's normal. And when you're yeah. not, it's like, Oh, what's going on? This is weird. And so they have to actually take a medicine or something that really helps them to alleviate that burden. It's really, really crazy. But yeah, adrenaline is, is amazing. Now getting back to the movie, there are so many fun things that I liked about the movie that uh, just the interplay between uh, Pete and I can't remember what Elijah Woods character, the, the journal, Matt. what's his name? Matt, Matt. The, the interplay between them. You could see how they got really, really close friends like really quickly and it was really interesting how it went from and basically just met you to now they are being camaraderie it's why do you think that that relationship develops so quickly um i think it's because right away pete saw like a weakness and an a non-manliness in matt and that's all that pete is about from from you know from the moment he wakes up he's thinking about his soccer his football team along with his firm right he's always thinking about that always thinking about taking out other firms um always thinking about increasing his reputation and now he meets somebody who doesn't understand this at all and maybe from pete's perspective this guy matt needs to learn this kind of stuff he needs to be a man so he kind of like took him under his wing like a sensei and a pupil. You know, I, I think it was that relationship which caused Pete to want to bring Matt everywhere and take him along and teach him. And maybe there was also some kind of a novelty like, wow, I'm going to turn this weak yank into a strong yank, I guess. You know, <laughs> I think all of that took place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's a good way to think about it because you see uh, Pete starting to realize like, I need to help this guy. Like this guy, he's literally a pathetic little loser. And so there's in America, I think it's probably all over the world, but especially in America, there's the, I think it's more and more people or more and more men are saying that they're beta males. So there's an alpha male and a beta male. Alpha male is the one that's like, um, you know, take charge or, the commander or just, just, you know, I'm going to take care of things. The beta male is like almost really feminine. And then like, you know, I'm going to not do anything that is going to, you know, put me in harm's way. Um, not saying either one. Or, well, no, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I, be- I firmly believe the only reason why there are more beta males in general is because we are so at peace. There's so much peace in the world that if there weren't peace, Beta males have to either become alpha males or be a, you know protectors and people that that watch out for you know everybody else. You either have to become a, an alpha male or you literally get killed. Like if you're thinking about the Middle Ages, the beta males they couldn't last. You know maybe there were only a few court jesters and those were the beta males. The alpha males were the ones that would kill everybody. So it's just I think that the difference between you have alpha male and a beta male and alpha male saying and Pete saying. I really need to help. Like I need to help this guy. I'm going to do him a favor. Number one, bring him along. But then as he saw that, Hey, this guy's actually pretty cool. Number one, but number two, he's taken on to it. Like he's, he's really starting to grow up. And obviously the big catalyst was the time he gets jumped and then they come to his rescue and then he fights with them. Even though he was like, I could run right now. That was like, that took that notch. I think everything else, that's where it started to now let me work with him. Let me be with him. And he's, he's one out one of us. Yeah, for sure. And it was great seeing that scene. That's actually my favorite scene when they came, you know, they let him go home, but then they came back to protect him. They realized that he could have been in danger and they found him. And then he stood by his mates. I mean, you know, Charlie Hunnam's character, P said, you know, you don't abandon your mates and you got to stand your ground. And then like you said, he was willing to run, but I think they had, 
you've got to really respect somebody who's never been in a fight before. And then now you're outnumbered five to 20 or whatever it was. And then you still step up and do, do your arm flailing thing. I mean, even though you can't respect his fighting skills, he had the heart to join them, to stand by his brand new mates. I mean, he knew these guys for like two hours now, you know, they watched one football match together, drink a few beers and that's it. But now he's fighting side by side with them. So yeah, he showed that he has the heart. He has the courage just up until this point. He's never had to demonstrate it. Nothing's ever pushed him to that point in life. You know, I think that that is, that's up there on my favorite scene. So when we talk about our favorite scenes, I I think of that one, but I think more of the getting in the truck and then saying, Hey, I'm with Paramount pictures, blah, blah, blah. And they pass through and then they get out of the vehicle and then they go brawl. For me, I was like, dude, that takes balls. That is awesome. I absolutely loved that scene. Yep. 100%. Now, do you think they didn't show it in the movie, but do you think one of them called the cops ahead of time and, and said, there's, there's a brawl happening right now. So that only lasted two or three minutes. But I, I think that, but at the same time, I don't think they would have done that. And we saw other scenes where cops were looking down on cameras on that mob of whatever city they're from, that firm. And then so I guess maybe they saw the brawl starting, then the cops came. But you can think maybe one of them did the smart thing and called ahead and said, hey, there's a fight going on right now. (laughs) So that three minutes later, they could just up and leave and everybody gets arrested on the other firm. Yeah, it seems like that. Now, um, I I think that's... Smart thing would be to, you know, to call first just so you know they're coming. But at the same time, you don't know when and how and all that sort of stuff. So, but it is fun that they can now say like our street cred is absolutely astronomical. Like our respect, like the word got around so fast about this. And yes, that would, that's almost legendary. Like we did this and this is what we did. And we fought 40 of them and there was only eight of us. We <laughs> thought that was yeah. super cool. Now I got a question for you. What is worse than watching paint dry. Uh, watching somebody do the painting? Uh, that's a good one. I don't know, no. I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> it's watching soccer. That is the oh. worst thing <laughs> ever to watch. Now, everybody in England, if you're listening to this, I apologize for not calling it football. And I agree. Why do we call American football football when you literally only kick it like 10 no 5% of the time i completely agree we just call it soccer for whatever reason i completely agree soccer is actually football and you know, american football just you know, i don't know what name you would call it like pigskin ball or something like that but man i don't get soccer and especially when you have uh, i get baseball obviously because i grew up in america i'm an american um we're america and so we play baseball america we don't play no no sick and you know little football playing with a soccer ball <laughs> and So, but as I'm watching baseball, there are ebbs and flows of the game. And I know soccer, there probably is, but when uh, American football, there are plays, it's a start and there's an end to it. And you can see when it happens in soccer or, you know, uh, British football. Oh my goodness. Like it literally never stops. You can watch an entire game or entire match. And it's one to zero. Like that is so <laughs> freaking boring. I'd rather look at a yeah. wall for two mm-hmm. hours than watch soccer. What do you think? I agree with you there. It is so boring to me. Now, you know, you and I worked at Tahoe Joe's famous steakhouse, right? And there was a ton of people working there, especially those in the back kitchen, a lot of Mexicans, and they love their football, right? And I had to ask, I can't remember who it was, but I had to ask one of them once, what is it about football that you love so much? And they would explain to me that, um, 
you can actually, as you're watching, you're not just watching the ball go on the field. You're actually watching these other players over here, the movements that they're making to get into position for a great pass for a goal. They're moving, they're moving the balls right here. I mean, there's so many other things that they're looking at that you and I, I mean, we're just focused on that ball and just going back and forth, back and forth. And it's just boring as heck. You're right about that. Now I would say, cause I've never seen, and I, I love that, 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 they watch more than just the ball because I'm just like the ball's moving, the ball's moving. Yeah. Now it went that. Now we now it's back there. Now it's back <laughs> over there. Now it's it's just so boring. But um, I do like that that they watch more than that. I guess I'm just not trained to watch that. But as I'm watching a soccer game or a football game um, on TV, it's incredibly stupid or dumb, dumb, stupefying, dumbifying, or whatever. Like it's horrible. <laughs> now, same thing though with hockey. Hockey is just using a stick. Now there's a lot more punching involved and ramming. I love that. That's really cool. But <laughs> and I've never seen a soccer or a football game in person. But if it's anything like hockey, hockey on TV, eh? Like it's not disgustingly horrible because they can you know punch and check each other and stuff like that. But <laughs> hockey in person is so much fun. Like it's really really fun to watch hockey. Now like I've never say like I said I've never seen a football. Uh, game in person where it's like a big like the Manchester versus you know all the other ones or whatever Uh, I've never seen it like that so that might be fun but what do you think about watching live as opposed to on TV because TV sucks yeah, always. Live is always better. Live baseball better than TV baseball live hockey. I've gone to one game a long time ago and like if you watch a hockey movie, right, you see the crowds going wild, people are jumping up and down, beers spilling. That happens in real life too. That kind of stuff doesn't happen that often in football. But in hockey, when somebody throws a great punch and it lands, the whole crowd erupts and it is so much fun. So those are two sports that are so much better live than in person. Hockey and baseball for sure. But either one, I, I would never choose to go. The only reason I would go is if someone had tickets and would offer them to me, you know? Oh, I'd never pay to go watch the hockey <laughs> game. No, no. It's, but yep. it's like, yeah, let's go. Hey, let's just uh, go do something on a Friday night or a Thursday night, whatever it might be. Yeah, that'd be yep. fun. Let's go do that. I would not turn... Nah, maybe I might... Do they have hockey, hockey in game, Arizona? Yes, they do. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, that with refrigeration... Uh, refrigeration yeah, is amazing yeah. like if uh-huh. you back in even just 50 years eh, maybe 60 years ago there wasn't much refrigeration it was just all swamp coolers and that's why phoenix was always dead small like it was a small place but as soon as refrigeration came boom explosion of so yep. many people coming here because they can tolerate actually living here now if i had to live in a house with ju- either just swamp cooler or m- my wife's grandparents they didn't even have swamp coolers it was literally just open the windows or sleep on the sun porch if i had to do that i am like we're moving i hate sleeping when i'm hot and sweaty i can't it's almost as bad as and it's worse i know sleeping when you're freezing like if you are literally freezing it you can't sleep because it just wakes you up every single time same thing with Mm -hmm. sleeping when you're hot and so like in my house i love refrigeration I keep the thermostat at like 73 degrees at night, even though at night it's still like 92 degrees in the you know, outside night, maybe 95 degrees. I keep it at 73 degrees so I can get under my covers and I could sleep so soundly because of refrigeration. Totally. Totally. That's a good point right there. Now, let me guess your, you kind of mentioned it earlier, your Monday morning quarterback is Shannon was a dumbass for driving up with her kid to a gigantic 50-person brawl, right? What? Okay, why did she... Maybe I fast-forwarded or something, but I don't remember doing that. But, like, <laughs> why in the world did she decide to go drive there? 
Well, I'm good with driving and trying to stop Matt before he gets to the fight on the way to the wharf. You know what I mean? Maybe that's her goal. But then when you get all the way to the wharf and you pull around the corner and you see 50 dudes full out brawling, you've got a little one-year-old in the back. No, 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 it's not. And my guess is she has to know kind of basically what's going on. These guys hate Steve. You're Steve's wife. That's Steve's kid. Dumbest thing in the world. And getting out, Steve just got, and then getting out of the car. Yeah, and your husband just got stabbed in the neck trying to be yeah. killed by these guys. And there you are mm-hmm. driving. What are you thinking? You're not thinking. You're stupid. Turn around and drive that car right away. I mean, you could be honking your horn and say, get over here. You know, brother, get over. Whatever. Uh, I can't remember his name. Matt? Um, the brother. Oh, the brother, Matt. Yeah. 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 Get over here. You know, get in the car. Let's go. But my goodness, think about your kid, you idiot. And yeah, oh, that's just, I, I couldn't understand that. But, um, what are your thoughts about her now? Then that is my money, money quarterback, but what are your thoughts about her now having to leave America, leave England to go to America because of this? Is that completely rational or what do you think? I think it's rational. Um, I'm good with that, but I'm hoping that what happens is when Steve gets out of the hospital, he goes and he goes and be a you know a husband to her, a father to their son, and now they're together in America, away from Tommy, away from that other Milburn firm, because they're still out for blood. Like you killed their bosses, not you, but your firm killed their boss's twelve year old. They're still going to be gunning for good. You blood. You have a son and a wife. Uh, it's not worth the risk of staying in London. Or I guess even if you move somewhere else in London and England, it's not worth it. Just go to America. She's a citizen. Bam, you live there, get a new job. You're good to go. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And now she is rather stupid. You can tell because she drove into that brawl with the kid. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be absolutely stupid if she said, I'm going to hold my, the husband. Um, I'm going to hold you. Um, I, you told me you'd never do that again. So you did it. And now I'm going to leave you. Like, I went to save your brother. How do you not get that? Yeah. I literally get yeah. in there to bring him out. Ask him. He tell, he'll tell he tell you. I literally went there to grab him, to get him out so he would not. So if you, and again, she's stupid. So we already know she's stupid because she drove into that battle. But I hope she would not do something as stupid as that and realize that, you know what? He was actually trying to save my brother. He's done everything that he's, he's held his end of the agreement or the your bargain or a marriage is like, if you ever do this again, I'm leaving. And so, yeah. Now I want to ask you, what are your thoughts about, do you think that there are still, well, we know it's a movie and it's also a movie probably loosely based on what is actually going on there. It probably is, probably isn't. I don't know. I'm, I'm an American, so I don't know anything about that, but do you think that is actually going on? And if it, so, is it still going on? What are your thoughts? For sure it is. I don't remember. It might have been the late 90s when hooliganism hooliganism was a thing that you know was on the news and they would show riots at soccer, uh, football games and stuff back in England. I don't know that there really truly are firms or if this is just a group of uh, guys supporting one team fighting against another guy's, you know, another team. I don't know if that's true. But my guess is that a lot of this was taken from real life stories and uh, – it's at least based on on the reality of the situation over there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Now, and we have the same we, kind of thing, right? Like you and I went to a Raiders game. Wait, did you come to me with that Raiders game yeah, a long time ago against yeah. the Buffalo Bills? 
Mm-hmm. Raiders fans are crazy, man. Buffalo Bills fans, we saw firsthand Buffalo Bills with a nice jacket, you know, walking by. Raiders people dumping beer on them, fighting them, pushing them and stuff. And, oh, man. So you can see people do have that fanatical kind of like macho, like let's beat up the other team mentality around sports, right? So I bet if we can do it here in America, they can do it over there too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That was – we were – 12, 13, 14, something like that, like really young and seeing that I was like, oh, this is horrible. I can't believe they're doing that. Now there wasn't, now there was like pushing and yelling and stuff like it, but nobody's actually getting beat as far as I can tell. But I do remember that when we were there, I do remember hearing that there was either a stabbing at some time or there was this or that or the other, but that's what I do appreciate about the the movie. It portrays people don't really bring knives. They don't, you know, they're just boxing. They're beating each other up with their fists and uh, anything else that they can grab, but they don't go to try to kill somebody. Whereas, you know, in America, we don't really do that anymore. It's like you, you get in a fight, you're going to get killed. And so that's why when yeah. I look at this movie, when just like um, Matt's char- or Matt, the Elijah Wood character, it's like, no, there's 20 of them. There's how we expect to win. Well, it's, it's not about winning. It's about keeping your re- reputation up and being able to box or being able to fight, and then come back and fight again. But you know, in America, he might not come back. That's that's the perspective that we have going into a battle like this. Now, I used to be a big football fan. Like, I would watch Thursday night's games, Saturday's games, Sunday's games, Monday's games, and every single game, like literally as much as I could. And this, as I would be, before I got married, I would do that. Now, I played football, played at Fresno State, had a great time. I love football. Football is fun, or American football is tremendously fun for me. And as I grew though i got married and i watched less football then i had my first kid then i watched even less football and then i was only watching the 49ers and as i was just watching the 49ers i enjoyed it but then after i had like my third or fourth kid i realized how it affected me like i want to win i'm a very competitive person and so i want to win and when i or my team even though i have no uh ability to help the niners to win i got affected like i did something not necessarily i but like i wanted to help i wanted to win and I realized, man, this is affecting me. Number one, kind of like um, the 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 Steve is it Steve the the um, the, the major guy? the major mm-hmm. yeah kind of mm-hmm. like him like it really if it, it does affect you like because you want to win so I can see that now I wasn't absolutely anywhere near the way they are but I was like it started to affect me and then I just realized there's so many other things in life and then I realized oh my goodness these guys are getting paid millions of dollars and they're crybabies I'm gonna stop watching them anything that happens mm-hmm. to me they could care less so. I'm done. I'm moving on. So that's how I got out of that. Now, Steve was totally different. You know, he actually saw somebody get killed and was partaking in that. And he got out of that. So do you have anything like that? Is it paintball that you're like gung-ho about or what what are your thoughts? Nothing like that at all. Like I was never big in you and I played sports growing up, but as you know, I never watched them. Like you and dad would sit there and watch football games. I would kind of not. <laughs> I would be doing something, reading comic books up in my room or something, you know? So I never got into that. I never really lived vicariously through my heroes. Well, my comic book heroes, I guess you could say I live vicariously through them, but sports heroes just never did. You know, I wasn't a fan of watching anything, man, just playing. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. going through this entire movie, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So the grade that I would give this, I give this an and I think it's because of the rewatchability. It'll probably, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I remember it, meaning like it's stuck in my brain and I really enjoyed it. So because I enjoyed it, not the rewatchability factor, 
I'm going to kind of move that out of a little bit. I'm going to give it an A, a, a literally a solid A. It's not A plus because I would want to watch it again um, if it was an A plus, but an A because it was well done. I loved the acting. I thought the acting was terrific in it. Um, Storyline was really, really fun. I felt I left feeling like affected in not a negative way at all, but just, you know, feeling affected. So I give it an A. Yeah, I'm right there with you. An A from me as well. I've, I think I first saw in 2006, 2007 on DVD at some point. And for whatever reason, I bought it at some point and I've watched it a couple times throughout the years and I still thoroughly enjoy it, but it is kind of a hard watch because well, you've only seen it the one time, but you can imagine when you pop the DVD in for your second or third watch, you realize that, wow, you're going to see this cool character, Pete, he's going to die in the end. And it's quite sad. His brother gets stabbed and possibly their, their marriage does, you know, whatever. Like there's a lot of bad things that can happen, but like you said, so much good stuff, a great story, just an, an overall good story where you see the characters really change, right? You see Pete, maybe not changing so much, but he at least builds a friendship with a Yank who's a journalist as well, right? You see Matt Buckner going through a huge change, and you see the major. He's the same guy throughout, but at least you see his journey where he started caring about his reputation. He was leading the GSE at the start. So you learn about his arc as a character. And I really like movies. Sometimes we talk about movies that don't have any arcs for the characters. The character is the exact same throughout, but it's still a good movie. This one, each of the main characters had arcs and it was it was fun watching them develop and through the story. And at the very end with, when Matt Buckner um, you know, grabs that dude by the lapel and is about to punch him, I don't think he was going to punch him. He was just, just wanting to scare him. You could really see it in his eyes. That character totally changed. He views life differently, a totally different person. It was kind of like when um that Van Holden guy looked at him from the toilet, you know, after snorting the coke, he it took him a second to to realize who he was because he was looking at a different person, right? Totally different Matt Buckner from the beginning of the movie and enjoyed that aspect. aspect. So I give it an A as well. Yeah. Now, it could be that Elijah Wood, he's such a pretty guy that when I see when I when I saw him getting ready to to punch the Van Holden guy, when I saw his like just the way his eyebrows are, he's too I don't know how he can like portray something that's fierce or angry just the way his his the proportions of his face and how like his eyebrows come up in certain ways and stuff like that. And when I saw him like getting ready to punch him, I could tell he was serious. I could tell like that, but look at his face. Like he did not look mean at all, at least to me. What do you think? He looked mean at the very start, but then his, I don't know his, he started to kind of like a little smirk on his face, knowing that he made this little Van Holden cower before him. So I think it went from really angry to just a really quick change like that. But maybe you're right. Like he has like kind of a soft, really good looking face. And maybe he cannot be a really mad guy. Like you see him in behind the scenes stuff on all the Lord of the Rings stuff. He seems like the coolest, smartest, like happiest kind of friendliest dude it might be hard for him to portray a really mean, um, a hard, tough as nails kind of guy. Yeah. So, and you brought up Lord of the Rings. How many times did you think of Frodo when you saw this movie? <laughs> Quite a few. I can't. I can't help it. You know, like you see uh, uh, Gilligan and the actor later on in other movies and stuff. He's always the Gilligan, or or just whatever. Like he is always going to be Frodo to me, no matter what. Kind of like Joey from um, Friends. He can yeah. never get out of. Plus, I think he is also like Joey and the, the the character, the actor. They're almost like the same person. It seems like, and so you can't see him as anything but Joey. And so now, 
Elijah Wood did a fantastic job in this movie. I I saw I just pictured Frodo like maybe two or three times as he was going through the movie. I was like, oh, there there's Frodo again. And like when he when he's concerned about something, you can just see it, how he's thinking, and it's the same type of same type of. Um, now he's not the same. Think of Jeffrey Goldblum. He's literally the same character in every <laughs> single movie. Now Elijah Wood didn't. He was a different character, which is great. But yeah, like Jeffrey Goldblum's exact same person. Oh oh. One of my favorite actors is, um, oh, Mike, uh, oh, shoot, it's, it's, it's evading my brain. Um, he was in Saturday Night Live. Um, Chris Walker. Is it Chris Walker? Um, Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken. There you go. He's one of my favorite actors ever, and he's hilarious. And if you ever seen Joe Dirt, which is hilarious, he's in that as well. But Christopher Walken is literally the same char- same person or same character in every single movie, just saying different lines. Some are funny, some are less, and some are mean, and some are bad, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, so Elijah Wood, he did a good job in this movie. And I think the uh, Pete, the main, the main, uh, uh, what's his, what's the British guy's name? The, the actor's Hunnam? name? Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. He did a, yeah, he did a great job in this movie too. I was really, really pleased with that. With actually, all the acting was really good. Yep, for sure, I agree with you. So let me uh, let's get into our lessons here. My first lesson is never leave a mate behind. Right, loyalty is a great thing to have in your friends and your group of friends. And I just that's one of the reasons why I love that scene. Um, uh, when they wouldn't, you know, they let Matt walk home, but I guess somebody realized that, Hey, he could be in danger right there. Let's follow him and make sure I just love that. And I loved how he did not run himself. He said, screw it. You guys are fighting. I'm going to be here too. So there was loyalty on both sides. And I love that. It's a great life lesson. I think that's a great lesson. And that's something that I, I'm going to piggyback. I was, so here's what's funny. As I went through this, I was so not necessarily affected. Like I, there's so many lessons to l- learn through it. Um, I didn't write anything down. So as we're talking, I'll come up with lessons or at least I'll, I'll reiterate what I'm thinking. So I love that lesson. So I'm going to piggyback up off that and what, um, Matt, uh, Buckner, is it Buckner? Is that his last name? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what he says is it's fantastic that I, or that they have my back. Like that, that's something we totally get out of this, but what's even better is I have their backs. That's it. And so it, and that's the thing. If everybody looks to give any, any, any situation in marriage and like this firm, anything that if anybody looks to give better than receiving, everything goes so much better. So if everybody in the group thinks it's so much better that I have their back, not that they just have mine, but I have their back. If everybody thinks that it's going to be better for everybody around. So yeah, I think if you put less emphasis on yourself and more on helping other people, everything's going to be better. So that's my lesson. I agree with you. I love that lesson right there. Really good one. Uh, my second lesson is we, we've done this before, right? Pay attention to your surroundings. Um, uh, know what's going on around you, but basically get a hint. Tommy Hatcher, the meanest, baddest bloke in the world walked into that restaurant, confronted Bover and was talking to them. You know, he was talking to one on one and this chick, she was oblivious to the world. She didn't see this big bad guy coming in with four dudes right behind him. And then now she's talking and laughing. He tells them to shut up and she keeps doing it. And then her freaking stupid boyfriend doesn't help her to shut up. Both of them get a hint, know who's around you, just shut up and maybe grab your food and walk out of there too, right? Just be smart. Uh, <laughs> just get a hint is what it is. And she kept saying, are you going to let him talk to me like that? I'm like, I shut know. up. 
yes, I am going to let, because we need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And he said, yes, I know who you are. You're Tommy Hatcher. I mean, his reputation proceeds him. He is the kind of guy, no matter how tough you think you are, you know how bad he is. You know how bad his four blokes are. Freaking A, shut your mouth. Unless you are somebody who can actually take him out and somebody that can actually do something. Like, shut your mouth. And that's the thing about me. Like, you know, when I was younger, I I was more like, eh, you know, you're stupid. I'm I'm not going to necessarily fight you, but like, you're stupid. I'd stand against you. Now I'm just like, eh, whatever, move on. I don't care. Like, you insult me. Oh, it's something wrong with you. I don't actually literally say that. I just say, okay, hey, you take care of yourself. I'm going to be over here. There's no need for me. Like, my reputation... I could care less about what other people think about me. The people are going to say, oh, Dustin thinks this or Dustin thinks that. I'm like, whatever, you know, whatever issues you have, that's the issue you have. Don't put that on me. I'm not going to let that affect me and change the way I am. So I, my next lesson is don't let how other people re- reflect you. Like they're, every firm has a reputation. Now, of course, you know, they want to have a high, high reputation. Um, and it's not bad, but don't I my my lesson is don't let how other people view you change who you are or dictate what you do because it could be very very detrimental and as you can see you have Pete literally losing his life because of all that like it just was a cascading like a domino effect just one after another and so if you just let other people's opinion of you or their um either respect for you or whatever it might be dictate who you are it's just a bad road to go down Yep. 100% love that lesson. You're right about that. Uh, my third lesson is, uh, let's see here. Don't take it easy on kids just to let them win or help them to feel good. So Matt, when he was going to play the goalie of Pete's soccer team, you know, his little 12 year old team or whatever, Matt's first instinct was, Oh, should I just let them win a few, you know, let a few goals, goals go by? No, you should never do that. Right. Kids learn actually just human beings in general. We learn through challenges, right? When we're put to the test, when we have to, uh, when we have to excel to succeed, when we have to work hard to succeed, that's when we're learning. That's when we're developing as people. When you just constantly give your kids something or let them win games, they're never going to learn anything. They they might learn some self-esteem, but self-esteem really isn't good for anybody. Let them develop real self-esteem by working hard for something and then accomplishing it. Yep, exactly. I love that. I completely agree. I'm going to pick it back up. So my third lesson is that every time I fail, I get so much better. I learn so much more when I fail than when I win or somebody lets me win or anything like that. And so you hit the nail on the head. I personally believe self-esteem is absolutely garbage. You do not need any self-esteem. What you need is accomplishments that help you to be confident. You want to be confident that you can perform. You can do this because either you have in the past or you failed and you got better. The better I... or the more I fail, the better I get because I realize this didn't work. This didn't work or that didn't work. Nobody handed it to me. This is what I got. It's because I worked hard for it. I feel more confident. That same thing goes with my ties in my uh, second lesson that I just said um, about um, uh, having your, uh, I can't even remember what my lesson was, but anyways, so, uh, oh, reputation. Yeah, that's what it is. So if you tie it into both of those, whatever your reputation is, It's only because of your um, experiences and you're confident in yourself. Like you're not cocky. You're not trying to prove anything to anybody. And so with self-esteem, I, my self-esteem is, I wouldn't say very, very high because I don't think about myself very much, or at least I try not to. What I love to do is think about other 
people, not think about me. If I think about other people making their lives better, entertaining them or having fun or helping them or giving or whatever it might be, the better I feel. And so uh, I guess a couple lessons right in there. Number one, the more I fail, the better I get. And number two, the more people that I think about to help them, the better I, I do. Like I feel so much better because I'm helping more people. So let me ask you, Sky, when you play poker, you're a really good poker player um, and you teach everybody how to do that as well at smartpokerstudy.com. Now, when you play poker, do you learn more when you win a hand or do you learn more when you lose a big pot and you should have done X, Y, or Z? Yes, you learn more when you lose, but that requires you hitting the books and reviewing the hands afterwards. In the moment, there's a lot of pain when you lose that, right? But then you have to just self-examine, look at the hand later on, look at the circumstances, review it, and then learn from your mistakes. So yes, losing leads to learning if you're willing to try to learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. I love learning from my mistakes. In fact, I don't do things to fail. In fact, a lot of things that I do, I don't fail at because just past experiences help me to know what I should do or shouldn't do. And so but when I do fail, it's because, oh, man, it's because of this. So learning from that. So completely agree. So love it. Now, what is your did did you say say your third one yet? Yes, I give my third. Did I give my third last one? Yes, I did. I I, I started with my third and you gave your third. What is your prop that you would want? Nothing. I couldn't think of anything in this movie. What about you? I really couldn't either. There was nothing that was like iconic other than maybe the baton, but that is not very, you know, very good thing. But uh, <laughs> um, maybe the brass knuckles that one of the kids, one of the guys had that hit um, uh, Matt, um, the tape recorder. I'm just trying to think of like anything that, but there was nothing that really stood out. That was like a prop that in certain movies have props that kind of flow throughout like Lord of the Rings. Oh, I want the one ring, you know, things like yeah. that. Well, you actually own one of the one ring, but anyways, mm-hmm. long story short, um, I couldn't figure out anything in here. Yeah, me either. This time, no prop whatsoever from this one. Oh, well. Yep. Yep. Cool. So any last things before we conclude this puppy? No, I I think that this was a good, good movie. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad to hear. So this was my choice. What are we going to learn from next week, Dust? So I, I've been wanting to do this one for a long time. And I really thought after watching Top Secret that I want to do one of my favorite movies because Top Secret had one of the best actors ever. Do you know who that is? You remember? Uh, well, Val Kilmer. There you go. Nick River. Yeah. Val Kilmer, the best name ever. Val Kilmer. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I want to do that. Do one of my favorite movies of his. He's got a lot of great movies. So the movie that I want to do is Batman for, I'm just kidding. That's not a, oh my that's not God. A good movie. That was not a good movie. Uh, Tombstone. I want to do Tombstone. What do you think? Very good choice. It's been, I don't know, maybe 20, 20 years since I, I can't, I don't, I doubt I've even seen it in the 2000s. It must've been in the 1990s last time I saw it. So wow. I'm looking forward to it from what I remember. Really good movie, man. So yeah. I love, I love Tombstone. It, so many amazing actors in there. The storyline's fantastic. Obviously it's based on a true story. Love it. Let's do Tombstone. Cool beans. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, once again, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash YouTube. Thank you very much for your eyeballs. And um, of course, if you, you you heard what we think about Green Street Hooligans, we want to hear your thoughts, especially any Monday morning quarterbacks, any life lessons, maybe an awesome prop that you thought of that we just 
blows past our minds, right? Just go to our show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash Green Street Hooligans. One word, Green Street Hooligans right there. And leave a comment for us. Alrighty, once again, thank you very much. My name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Tombstone. Tombstone.